Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a great show for you this week. We're going to have a couple of different things. We're going to be looking at some reviews of games. Steve's going to be joining us this week to talk to a producer. We've got some very interesting comments from the last couple of weeks on those interviews, and we're going to actually be interviewing Steve in the next couple of weeks to talk a little bit about who he's talking to and why and kind of what the motivation is, and then answer some of your questions. How do you send us your questions? Well, that's easy to do, and I'm glad you asked. One user friendly on Facebook or Twitter. You can do that through social media or give us a call, 503 766 6264. That number is 24 7. Just leave a message. We will definitely get it and possibly be able to use what you're asking us on the show. Today's news is brought to you by Great Northwest Gutters, serving the greater Portland area for all your gutter screening, repair, and replacement needs. Find us at greatnwgutters.com. That's greatnwgutters.com. What's in the news? COVID-19 hurting credit card fraud business. Yes, in a story that I uh, definitely am not shedding a tear over, (laughs) the um, credit card fraud business is in trouble. And oh, no. I know we're all you know really upset about that. But what they think is going on is because people are buying online more. And a lot of effort in the last couple of years has been taken to secure those transactions. And it seems to be working, at least to some extent. People aren't using their credit cards in the store as much. So things like skimmers and that type of situation no longer function in the way that they used to. And theft of credit card numbers is off by almost 30%. That's a shame. So I don't think this is a business that should be bailed out, by the way. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> NVIDIA wants to be more than video games. NVIDIA is a company that manufactures high-end and is very well-known and respected for it, video adapter cards for computers. And yeah. we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about what the difference is between a video processor and the central processor unit in your machine. But what this is about is the company is looking to diversify and is doing something that you wouldn't necessarily think of NVIDIA for if you know anything about their company, and that's opening data centers and getting into the data center business. So it is something that's actually showing up on their balance sheet now, and it is something that they're making money off of. So it's definitely a direction I think that they'll continue to go. But it is interesting, and I think it's a good thing being a business owner myself, knowing that you don't want all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. So when you have things like, oh, an international pandemic, you're able to survive. And most companies, this is a good idea. And I think that's the direction they're going with this. Apple tried to cut off WordPress app updates, wanting percentage of non-existent in-app purchases. So a little backstory, uh, the Hmm. Apple Store and the Google Play Store are both out there for a couple of reasons. They want to be the primary place where you get your applications for your iPhone or your Android phone. And What they've done, and it's been a great deal of complaint lately, is that they take a certain percentage of your money that you would make off your app. So if you distribute a free app, that's one thing usually. But if you distribute an app that's monetized and makes some money in some way, they take a percentage of it. In the case of Apple, it's 30%, which is considered kind of high. Now, before we get into the WordPress scenario here, which just really seemed ridiculous, Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Fortnite, because that's been another company that's been in the news. Fortnite is a game, and both Apple and Google removed them about a week ago from their respective stores because Fortnite wanted to be able to directly sell the subscriptions and not have the cut taken out for the companies. 
And right now they're going in and beginning the process of a antitrust lawsuit, which experts think that Apple is a lot more on the hook for here than Google, because Google does allow multiple stores. You don't have to go through Play Store to install an application. There are ways to work around it. There's other stores and there's ways to do it manually. Apple, on the other hand, has everything locked only to their store and there are no other choices, which in the idea of a monopoly makes a difference. So where this is going, WordPress is a software that is used for the purpose of generally creating websites, creating blogs. That was its original purpose. It's really expanded beyond that. And they have a tool that you can use from your phone to be able to edit your website. Now, this tool doesn't cost anything. Any of us that have a WordPress website can use it, can download it, that type of a thing. But Apple decided they wanted 30% of the domain sales that were supposedly going through this app. The only problem is they weren't, but they still went ahead and removed WordPress's app from the place or from the Google or I'm sorry, from the Apple store. And it is a situation where in a very rare, I don't even know if I've ever seen this happen before. Apple put it back afterwards and apologized for doing it. But it is an interesting scenario to see how much control these companies have over the software that you and I want to use on our phones and our ability to get it. Several advances in clean energy announced. Yeah, so two things that are going on here, artificial photosynthesis, which is uh, how the plants make their energy, and it's looking like they're coming up with a way to be able to do that in the lab. And if that happens, that would be a really interesting way of being able to convert sunlight energy to actual energy. And then the other side of it is the solar panels, which are now at uh, what's called an eight level of use, which is very high. It's They're actually able to capture and use much, much more of the sun's energy than they did even just a few years ago. That technology is one that's really been in development and is something that we're definitely starting to see a side of that it can do a lot more than it did not so long ago. And the reason why these things are important is because while there's a lot of push for the move to green energy, green energy in a lot of cases isn't able to substantiate itself. It requires subsidies and investments and that type of thing. And once they can get it to a point where it's able to produce enough energy where it holds its own, covering the cost of installation, maintenance, a profit for the energy companies, all that kind of thing, I think it'll have a lot more of a chance of catching on and you know replacing coal energy and the other carbon uh, energies that we use now that are very cheap to produce. So you know, I've really. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I've really enjoyed the little lights that we have out in our backyard, and I've noticed over the years as we've bought more, they're getting better, and they actually last till dawn. Yeah, Uh, I was really impressed. And that's one example of of things going in that in that direction. In a lot of places, they're putting in these solar panel farms, but you're talking about where you have an individual device, in this case, a yard light. That doesn't mm-hmm. have to be tied into the power grid at all to work. Yeah, right. it's and great. It, and, and they're now lasting hours. Yeah. yeah, and I'm really impressed with that. And so the, the, obviously the technology has really improved. Yeah, you, and you're looking at an advancement in a couple of different technologies with that. Certainly the solar cell that's on the device. I remember solar calculators that if you didn't have them just in the right light, they wouldn't work. And now that yeah. doesn't seem to be the case. The other thing is battery technology. The battery is able to be recharged for more cycles and hold more energy than they used to be too. So a combination of those two things is what allows this to last longer. And a solar yard light is just a small version of a much bigger industry. Because keep in mind, with general energy consumption, there's nowhere to store energy. You produce it, it has to be used or it's wasted. So the use of batteries within that type of a system helps to offset that as well. Charter tells FCC that subscribers 
like data caps. All right. So quick audience survey here. Who likes data caps? I'm sure everybody's raising their hand right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Every single listener likes data caps. That's you know, and what I, we I got. tried really hard not to sound sarcastic when I read that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, and there's so many reasons too. You know, at the end of the day, uh, this almost sounds a little bit ridiculous, but most internet service companies would like to impose data caps, which means that you have a certain amount of data you can use over the course of usually a month. And the reason why this is becoming more and more of an issue is because the faster things get, the more people are streaming and downloading and all that kind of thing. And in a lot of cases, it goes in the huge amounts of data transfer. The problem being is that it, there is a finite amount of bandwidth. And while the networks have been increasing this, you still share bandwidth with your neighbors and everybody else that's subscribing to the same provider you are. And in peak times, especially during the pandemic, it's possible to overload those networks. So the idea of a data cap is to give a motivation for you as the subscriber not to use as much internet data. And that is just a part of the industry right now, but this takes it a step further. And Charter Communications, which is a cable provider in a lot of different parts of the company, merged with Time Warner a couple of years ago. And as part of the requirements for that merger, they had to agree to have no data caps until 2023. And they're trying to petition the FCC to end this early saying that subscribers actually like data caps. And um, as soon as I meet somebody that does, I will be happy to cover it on this show. But so far, this uh, yeah. the whole concept is not something. And, and Gretchen, to where you were going with that, can you imagine being the employee of Charter that was tasked with the idea of going to the FCC and trying to convince them of this? I mean, really? Yeah, that must have uh -huh. been terrible. It must have been embarrassing, too. <laughs> it just seems... I'm a professional, and now I have to tell you this. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> All of our people are very unusual, and they like data caps, so we would like to be able to impose them. Uh-huh. Yeah. In any event, we'll see how this goes, and uh, we still don't know if the FCC is going to release them from the requirement two years early, but uh, it is just an, something, you know, de definitely to be aware of. Don't go away. We've got a great show for you coming up after the break. And if you miss anything, check out our podcast at userfriendlyshow.com. We will be right back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us, Bill Snodgrass. Welcome to the show. Hello. So you're going to tell us a little bit today about a video game called Pathfinder Kingmaker Video Game. And the last time I know when you got to play this before release, it still had a few little bugs to work out. But from what I understand, we're beyond that point. So let us know what you've got and what you think of it. Well, okay. What it is is this game came out on PC about two years ago. And they just now ported it over to PlayStation 4 and Xbox. Um, the version they sent me with the code that I got about a week earlier um, is the game came out on the 18th of August. I've waited a little extra on this for, for good reason. Uh, because the game they sent me after 10 hours became unplayable because it crashed and I literally couldn't play it for more than about 20 minutes before a problem. But this is not the game that has came out on release day. Okay, so that's good. That's a different story for everybody, okay? <laughs> it still crashes every once in a while. And I mean, if you've ever played a Bethesda game, you know, Skyrim or Fallout, it, it's about the same there. So don't, you know, if you're used to that, don't worry about it. But uh, it's an amazing, they're actually a pretty fun game. Um, it's based on the Kingmaker module, which is an older uh, module from D&D. 
and it's an isometric top-down view. It's kind of like playing the old Neverwinter Nights or Icewind Dale games or Baldur's Gate in a way, um, where you have a party and you run around. It's a single-player game. But the difference is with the way this one works is you go out and you take care of a bunch of bandits and then you become a ruler of an area. And so half of it's adventuring and half of it's kingdom management, you know, building your cities, building, you know, militaries, things like that, or going out and taking care of problems like, you know, uh, the giant spider horde or something or <laughs> the army of trolls that are advancing on your uh, kingdom. It's really interesting. It's uh, the controls are a little bit weird at first uh, because you have a real time combat and you have a uh, turn based combat. They're a little glitchy. It's it's you know, you have to really be into playing a D&D style game to be into it. Um, I've found it to be really fun. Um, you know, once I got past the original problems of the review copy versus the release day one, uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> really been fun. It's got all the different classes. It's based on the Pathfinder rule system. Uh, so it's got a few little quirks that I'm not big on, like paladins have to be lawful good and monks have to be lawful, which, eh, you know, anybody could ask me about my opinions on certain classes being related to sure, sure. Uh, alignment. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, like I'm, it's old school. <laughs> it is. But it, it, I mean, it feels like an old school game. And, but it's, you know, if you're looking for something like that that's a good single player game these days, I suggest it. Uh, they basically took all of the DLC and stuff and bundles it together. So it's being called a uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker Definitive Edition. Okay. So cool. that came out, of course, uh, last week. What's the artwork like? Uh, pretty decent. Um, they could definitely use more character portraits, in my opinion. But the design and some of the stuff they've shown is really... It really is immersive. It really brings you into this world and into the game. There's just a lot of lore. There's, you know... If there's a word in there or something that you don't know, like it'll, you can actually uh, highlight it and it will give you a bit of history. Like if, you, if there's a god you don't know any, anything about because you're new to the system, um, like Phrasma, it actually allows you to like highlight it and it'll tell you like which god that is and all that kind of stuff in the middle of conversation. And then you can just go straight back into the conversation. That's kind of cool. cool. Oh, yeah. And there's some voiced conversation and some, a lot of text. So it's kind of got that old school feel. No, that sounds... And again, of course, it is a two-year-old game. Right, yeah, and that's what you were saying. It's a port, so it's been around for a while. It's just new on the consoles. And uh, PlayStation and Xbox? Or is it yep. just PlayStation? Okay, so both consoles. Sounds like something that's interesting to check out. And for anybody that doesn't know, DLC is downloadable content. And this has been something that uh, has been an issue off and on, because a lot of times game companies will want to charge for this on top of what you pay for the game. So it sounds like in this case, it's all one shot, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It is really nice that way. So when you're looking at a game like this that is based on the idea of tabletop role-playing, but it's a video game, what are the biggest differences? Obviously the format, but in addition to that, is it pretty similar to the book system or are the things you can't do because you're restricted to the video game? How does that work? Well, as you guys know, like tabletop, you can kind of just do whatever. Uh, there's you know, options that you would probably say for your character in situations that would be different. Um, a lot of the stuff in a video game is pre-done. So, like, I've been playing two different characters, just, well, I've been playing a couple of different characters to test it out. Um, but one of them, 
I decided to play was a lawful evil necromancer. And some of the things that that character would say were like lawful good statements right, in right, the game. Right. So it was like I was constantly battling changing her alignment in game because it's like, well, no, she would say this because it sounds the most politically <laughs> active towards oh, right. her goals, not, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm a good person. Whereas like playing it is like, a chaotic good bard has been like the easiest playthrough because of the dialogue options and like all the good options make it like super easy to get through things. And <laughs> so, but, they, uh, you know, you're not doing dice rolling, you're not, not doing a lot of that kind of stuff. So, well, right. if that's all done. there's a lot of math involved. So, that's that's good that it's oh, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some of the issues too is just like it seems to feel like sometimes it takes a little bit longer because you're just constantly missing or doing this or that in the game. But it, it you know, the real time ability makes it so you don't have to like turn base and do each character at its own time. So do you recommend so, having an understanding of tabletop role playing before playing a game like Kingmaker or could somebody kind of just get into it and figure it out? I'd say somebody could just jump in. There's like, like I said, there's some quirks to it. And the online community is really good. Like the Discord community is really good at helping people out. Um, you can get to that through, uh, what is it, Alcat Games, which is the devs for it. Right. Um, I would say it's a pretty good jumping into point. Like if you are into video games or if you remember Neverwinter Nights or things, you know, it's kind of got that feel to it. So it feels like tabletop, but um, it still feels like a video game too. All right, so we'll have to check it out. Let us know what you think of it. After the break, we are going to do our Q&A, and then we have an interview coming up with Steve and a producer. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where we answer your questions. Keep them coming in. 503-766-6264. One user-friendly on Facebook. One user-friendly on Twitter. What do we have this week? If something is Bluetooth compatible and doesn't support audio, is it really Bluetooth? Yeah, so this is a listener question that came in, and um, I actually talked to him, and it kind of coincides with a problem I've been dealing with, so I thought it was interesting. And what it really is talking about is Bluetooth is this idea, at least from the specification, that you can talk over a headset, stream audio, listen to the radio, that kind of thing, all wireless. At least that's what it's supposed to do. But there are a lot of different devices, and you have to watch out for this, that will only support one part of the Bluetooth audio protocol. Bluetooth itself is actually a wireless version of a network, so it can do a lot more. There's remote controls that use Bluetooth and other things like that. But specifically related to audio, there's two different kinds. There's one that handles stereo sound, and there's a monochrome version of it that has two-way communication that you would use like on a headset. And a lot of headsets, and I found out recently, cars only support that part of Bluetooth. So you can't stream music, but it will work for talking on the phone or something of that nature. It is still considered Bluetooth, but it doesn't completely comply with what would be considered the modern version of the Bluetooth protocol. So it's definitely something to look out for. And as I found out, let the buyer beware. 
Is it true that Google is speeding up their tabs on Chrome browser? This is at least what they are telling us, that in the next version of Chrome, your tabs will run 10% faster. And what that's taken to mean is not that the tabs will appear faster, it's that the content in the tab will load 10% faster. So, oh, so see, I get faster pop-ups and faster ads? Uh, you faster Yay. pop-ups and faster <laughs> ads, yeah. Uh, also, probably faster websites that you want to look at. I mean, conceivably, that would, that be would nice. also be part of this. Um, but that's where they're going with this. So yes, that rumor does appear to be true, as least confirmed by Google. How is a graphics processor different from the processor in my computer? In desktop computers, you have multiple processors. The CPU, which is kind of the brain of the computer, is the main one. But for a long time, they have had all kinds of things that augment that or add on different features. In the older computers, you used to have a MAF coprocessor. Uh, for some of our listeners, you might remember things like a 386SX and DX. An yep. old, old number for a computer, the DX had the MAF coprocessor, the SX didn't. In modern computers, things that use a lot of computing power are still offloaded sometimes to other processors, and one of the big ones is graphics. So we talked about in the news a little bit earlier what NVIDIA is doing, that they want to expand beyond this, but their core business is to make graphic processors. So if you're playing games or doing something that uses a lot of graphic capability and graphic need, then you will want a better graphics processor, and it's usually a separate card that handles your video, something that you can add onto the computer. Sometimes they're built in. But the point of it being is they are two different things. They work in two different ways, and they are designed normally to work with each other. Is AR, augmented reality, actually being used anywhere? Yeah, this is a listener question that came in. And augmented reality, just for anybody that doesn't know, varies from virtual reality in that virtual reality is where you have a headset or something like that, and it completely changes the environment that you're in. Augmented reality works with your existing environment and gives you more information on it or in some way adds to it. So I checked around a little bit, and this is actually being used in a number of different places. There's a device that Microsoft makes called the HoloLens, which adds augmented reality to a number of different things. One of the ones, if anybody likes to tinker on their cars like I do, is the ability to look at your engine and pop up service manuals and different texts and different things like that. Uh, cool. So you don't have to have the book. You actually have it in the headset. Some of the other places is a major flooring company is using this now where you can take a picture of your room and then it's able to modify the picture to show what your room would look like with your furniture and their flooring. So you can change colors, design styles, that type of things. Major furniture store uses this to be able to put furniture in your room from their catalog. So you hold your uh, phone up to the catalog, and from the picture in the catalog, it's able to determine what that is, and then you can place that within your environment to see how a chair would look or a table or something of that nature. So yes, this de definitely does exist. And augmented reality was something that we all played with. You guys probably remember this a little bit for packaging oh, and business cards. Yeah. And that didn't take off too well because it wasn't built into the phone. You had to have an extra app, and it was very cumbersome and expensive to do. But now this is starting to be built a lot more directly into our software and is more something that's a part of things we already have and not an add-on. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break with a great interview for you. And remember to send us your questions, One User-Friendly on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer. Well, thanks, guys. You know, I came across an old friend that I went to college with on Facebook um, a couple of days ago. And he's one of those people that when you meet him, you, you find he's a really interesting mixture of the technical and the creative. And he's uh, an old college buddy. We went to film school together uh, up at uh, Chico State, of all places. His name is Tom DeMaury, and he's had a what I would consider uh, a storied career working in post-production um, all over Hollywood and in a number of incredible shows, very well-known things, and very well-known studios. Tom, welcome to User Friendly. Hey, nice to be here. Yeah, it's good. It's been good catching up with you. I know we we talked a lot over the last couple of days, and it's just mind-blowing. You know, some of the things that you've worked on and some of the experiences that you've had. Um, after college, <clears throat> give us uh, like a really, really brief rundown on, on some of the places and some of the experiences you've had and some of the shows that you've worked on, because it's, it's kind of mind-boggling for me. Okay. Um, the first show I ever worked on was at Paramount, and it was uh, The Untouchables. And then after that, I did a couple of pilots, um, and I then worked on a, a TV series called Viper, um, did a couple of features. Um, one being uh, the Power Rangers movie and the other being uh, a Periscope, which is a Kelsey Grammer thing. Um, I, I do remember that. And I think you also mentioned that you'd worked on a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I didn't work on the movie. I worked on the TV series. Oh, the TV series. Okay. okay. Yeah, I worked on the TV series. And um, we, uh, you know, all of those shows were had a lot of visual effects. Other shows that I've worked on are like talking head shows that were like uh, lawyer shows. I did suits in uh, Franklin and Bash. And, and there was a couple, I don't know how many pilots and sitcoms. And I uh, did a whole bunch of those in a row. Um, and then getting back to the world of visual effects, visual effects for me was about um, for the longest time was just basically we would mark a visual effect and, uh, as the systems became able to do the temp work on it, we would do a temp comp. And, and our, our primary goal on those was to um, get about 80% there and tell the story. We were working with the editors to tell the story and make sure the timing of things was right. Um, so then I started working on things like Earth to the Moon, uh, which is an HBO series, right. which was amazing and fun. Um, worked on um, uh, from Earth to the Moon. Worked on Seven Days, uh, another science fiction series. Uh, worked on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, not necessarily in order anymore. Sure. Um, and uh, after thirty years, things can get a little bit jumbled. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and uh, I worked with. Um, I, I ended up getting through magic. Uh, connections and, and strange phone calls worked on uh, falling skies. Oh, wow. And that was kind of the first shows that we went from being assistant editors to visual effects, editors okay. and visual effects assistants, because before that you didn't do a lot of actual effects shows, maybe had 15 or 20 or 40 visual effects. Okay. But once they got up to be about 80 to a hundred, it got to be really hard for the assistant editors to do all of the work that they normally have to do. Right. Temp, track, cut in, 
mm-hmm. and 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 follow all of these other shots. And then there was a, a matter of consistency with having three as the three assistant editors working with uh, five or six vendors, which is what happens on these shows now. Okay, um, it just gets to be a, a lot of moving parts. Yes. So then you start to go. Okay, we need to have an, a, a visual effects assistant or a visual effects editor on the show. Right. Um, if we're not doing comps, um, but we're doing the numbering and we're doing the other stuff, you can do that with a visual effects assistant. But when you start getting into the creative world of of making you know the universe, you kind of uh, want a visual effects editor. And so, Falling Skies, I came on as a visual effects assistant editor. Okay. Because I was really good with um file maker okay and that was that was a program that really helped us out so tom it sounds like that the, the at least in firm in terms of television that a new position has kind of emerged called the visual effects editor that's essentially what you've been doing correct yeah they kind of ported over the idea from features but okay yeah so that's what that's what i've been doing uh is is being the visual effects editor uh falling skies was the first show i did that amazing on. Uh, okay. Uh, great people, a lot of fun. God, it sounds like, and I mean, it's almost like, do you ever feel like you're, you've gone back to school that you're kind of learning things like lightning speed to. and yeah. Okay. And I mean, yeah, I'm every, sure. every day. Yeah. It's, it's an everyday learning experience. Um, you're making up stuff literally that doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's like, well, this plugin does that, but how does this work? And it's like, um, there's a plugin that lets you do muzzle flashes. Well, if you really mess with it, you can do laser blasts and other weird stuff with it. Wow. But you have to play. Uh-huh. But beyond that, you have to share. There are others, other people in the building. There are editors and assistant editors who I've got a bunch of old stuff and I've got new stuff. And if I share that with them, they're going to share their new stuff with me. Yes. And, and it's a give and take. And it is every day learning and learning and relearning what you do. So the, and col- the job itself is, di- I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say is, so the collaboration is, is massive. I mean, it's a, you're, you're yeah. constantly collaborating with different, different people and different departments. It sounds like. Yeah, definitely. We get into the next, next level, which is, uh, I went from that, I, I did, uh, you know, a, a bunch of other shows and the most interesting ones were to, to talk about for visual effects would be altered carbon. Okay. Um, and the Umbrella Academy. And wow! <laughs> lucky enough to work. Lucky enough to work with the same visual effects supervisor. That's awesome. Who, um, make, he was he was the visual effects supervisor on Alt, uh, Altered Carbon, and uh, he just has so much respect for what everybody does, and there's so much love about what he does. Wow! It carries through, and he's not a guy who goes visual effects for visual effects sake right it, ha- <laughs> it has is, to be part of the story this is, this, this is the story yeah and we had this flying car that we had police car that we could have made a big deal out and did a whole you know uh enterprise reveal you know star trek enterprise reveal shot of but it was like no in this world this is just every day so you don't make a big deal about it it's just part of that universe God, and I, so I could talk to you for hours, but we're we're actually kind of stretching the limit of our time here. Um, I think I'm gonna have okay. to bring I think I'm gonna have to bring you back for another session, especially since you just alluded to the fact that you work on Umbrella Academy. 
because that is a favorite here at User Friendly. Um, Tom, I, I, I'm, I do appreciate you coming on the show. It's always fun catching up with old friends, especially with what you've been up to. And I think we're going to probably have to have you back because um, I could talk to you for hours. But I do appreciate you being with us today. Sure. Um, it's good talking to you. Okay. Uh, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, you guys take it away. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we've been talking a little bit about what's new on uh, television, hopefully pretty soon movies. Uh, movie theaters are starting to open again. And there's actually a couple of new releases coming out, which will be interesting to see. I don't know. Tenant is supposed to still be coming up. Words on Bathroom Walls is an interesting movie that's that's going to come out. So we'll talk about those a little bit as we can. But television also, we're seeing a couple of different uh, things drop to the streaming platforms and to this week that we want to talk about. First, the number one show in the country this week is Lucifer, and the description of that is he's the devil, but don't hold that against him. He runs a great <laughs> nightclub, and he solves pro crimes for the city of Los Angeles. So, you know, it's a multi-track thing there. Uh, what do you guys think of the new season? I like it. Yeah, everything we've had up to uh, episode eight with, that they currently dropped is great. Uh, they visited Reno a couple times, which I thought was a little odd, but hey, you know. And I also thought it was cool that they um, actually gave us a little more uh, in-depth on the character Mazikeen. Yeah. Yeah, they really focused on her this time, which was kind of cool. And uh, on where her mother was and who she was. And, and we that. also got to see a black and white episode. So everybody, yeah. I won't tell you about it. Just, just watch it. It's, it's really fun. Yes. I can't say too much here other than the rumor that there may be a movie coming up next year, but uh, great thing. And it's cool. it, uh, Lucifer is based on the comic book Sandman, which is a Dark mm -hmm. Horse comic and came out oh in the 90s, I think it was. And they've been doing this ever since then. And whether for or against, it's always been kind of an interesting production. And the other show that I have not seen or even heard of is one that you've watched called Glitch Tech. Am I even saying yeah. that right? Yeah, Glitch Techs. As okay. in people, you know, um, there it's 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 an animated uh, television series. It's an original for um, I believe Netflix. Netflix, and it was created by an Eric Robles and a Dan Milano. I'm sorry if I said any of your names wrongs, but uh, it's been fun. The artwork is cute, and uh, Jeremy, how would you describe it? Um, it's well, it's adorable. But the idea that uh, you've got a computer company. And they know that their their video games glitch every now and then, but the glitches are actually monsters or really bad code that end up corrupting not just the game, but like the area around the game. Yeah, it steps into our reality. So they've they've got special employees called glitch techs that go out and fix the game and repair the damage that the monsters do and catch them. So okay. that that's the whole premise of the game. But it's it's actually quite adorable in the fact that they've got these, you know, they get new two new employees. And it involves a whole lot of workplace drama and <laughs> technology, weird stuff. That's just, it's fun. fun. Well, it check really it is. out. All both are on Netflix. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to have some discussion of technology that's going to be used to clear the air. 
Star Trek convention in December in Las Vegas is still on the calendar, at least for right now, and it might be safe to do so. Until then, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.